looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, October 18. Nathan Exelby is joining me here in our studios in Ann Street. Morning, Nathan. Yeah, morning, David. Morning, listeners. Well, yesterday, everything turned out almost according to plan. The favourite won the Everest. Uh, classic legend and uh, left no excuse for any other runner. Won it comprehensively. The favourite won the Caulfield Cup. Very elegant. And it's me, the favourite, won the Kosciuszko. So the best horses won the three races. Yeah, they looked tough races, possibly on paper, the Everest and the Caulfield Cup, David. But as you say, punters sorted them out and um, stuck solid with those ones. And uh, I want to say the Everest was a terrific spectacle, wasn't it? In that, that hard run race at it was the last man standing and no excuses. It certainly was. Uh, they, I think they burned out in just a tick over 33 seconds. The first 600 metres, they were running into a strong headwind yesterday. So the time wasn't one of those dynamic, you know, sub 1.8 times. In fact, I think they ran, to be precise, 1.8.27. But uh, with that strong tempo, the field strung out. Every horse had its chance and clearly the best horse won on the day. No horse was going to be classic legend. Speaking of that, let's have a listen to the Tab Everest. And speaking of classic legend, punters latched on him really, when I say late in the piece, in the last half hour, he was 480 into run 420. Eduardo showing great speed and Eduardo leads clearly by two and a half on Nature Strip. Aubrey on third, they're well strung out. Two for the back to dollar for dollar. They're followed after three lengths in the field to tracking from Behemoth. Classic legend looking for a bit of cover now. Libertini the outside. Guitra being roused along from Bivouac. Santa and Elaine and Tafane. Eduardo at the 300 metres, a length clear. Nature Strip's been in his slipstream giving chase two after Aubrey on her. Classic legend four off the great flashes starting to cut loose here he comes classic legend storms to the front and kicked away the grey flash is now an everest legend bivouac home to second photo for third trekking and guitra then santa and elaine from horbury on her and nature strip further back to libertini tafane behemoth eduardo and dollar for dollars last in Classic legend, uh, hearing Darren Flindell's call there, clearly too good for them. He actually jumped one of the first, but then McAvoy eased him back, settled him in seventh. He had a good run in transit, as we said, off his very strong speed, and when he was there to strike, he just crushed them. He did, didn't he? really let down strongly. Hort Brown, her runner, huge race, didn't she, David? She gave some cheek for a while, but um, it seems as though, David, that's the last we'll see of classic legend in Australia. I think he's going to... In a, into quarantine at Werribee and uh, he's off to Hong Kong but he's certainly off on a high note isn't he? He certainly is well let's hear more about it and a person who's had uh, a very strong part in the whole classic legend story is Carmel size and Carmel has uh, had a busy media schedule this morning but she's been kind enough to join us here on Past the Post. Carmel good morning and congratulations. Uh, good morning yeah it was just absolutely stunning win you know it's probably the greatest thing I've ever done in in, in my life in racing, and I'm sure it was a, a huge highlight for, um, for Les as well. It certainly was. We'll talk about Les soon. Just for our listeners who don't know the background, tell us your background with the classic, the classic legend story. Uh, well, I, um, at the time, was um, buying the horses for, on behalf of Mr Bonho, and um, I had a brief to, to buy, you know, nice horses at the yearling sale. And I purchased, um, I selected the horse at the William English Classic sale. 
and purchased him. I was actually obsessed with him um, when I first laid eyes on him. The obsession has, hasn't left. Um, you know, fortunate enough and privileged enough um, to also look after the horse in the stable. We've read this morning, uh, there's a great story this morning too, and uh, I'll refer to this later, of Ray Thomas is talking about Les, watching the race by himself. Uh, the whole the whole story about Les Bridge, and it's, it is a story in itself, away from classic legend, isn't it, the, the Les Bridge story. And this, is a, this is a wonderful achievement for him. Oh, it is. I mean, like, you know, life's not over when you hit 80. Um, Les is 82. Um, you know, I have, I've, I'm second in charge. And his cable, and it was a huge privilege. But I can't tell you, he's been such a wonderful mentor to me. Um, I'm lucky enough to come from a racing family, and you know, to have so many good mentors along the way, and it's you know something unique. He he's brought something else to the table, made me look at racing, and made me look at race horses in you know in quite different, quite different eyes. You know, I'm just absolutely thrilled for him. He turns up, he's there seven days a week. Um, sometimes we'd let him have a little sleep in if the bunnies are playing in Sydney. Well, that's over now, so I'll cancel his sleepings. Um, you know, but he's there every day of the week. He says, oh, you know, afternoons, Sundays, he, you know, it's just wonderful. It's an example to anybody um, that's sort of like getting on in life. You can do something. You can be successful at it. Yeah, it wasn't quite the perfect day, was it, for uh, Les with the bunnies getting beaten last night, Carmel? But <laughs> No, it wasn't, but I'm actually quite happy that we've cancelled those sleep-ins because maybe I could have the sleep-ins. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've heard this morning that um, it's likely Classic Legend will enter quarantine in, in Werribee and, and head off to Hong Kong. Is that going to be a difficult mm. one for, for you and Les to say goodbye to the horse? Oh, absolutely. Well, we had said goodbye to him before. Yeah. Um, you know, he was um, off to Hong Kong um, January and, and February, and that didn't work out for the horse. Um, you never know. He might come back. I mean, like he came back. He came back last time. You know, through face and through comedy. Um, I only found out um, being that after him. I went to the races with a heavy heart. We're just sort of losing you a little bit there, Karma, with the, the, the sound. Karma, you just might have to move into a different area. The phone reception has just gone a little bit low, so if you could just sort of maybe move somewhere else or put the phone a bit closer because we're enjoying this conversation. And we got you there now? Yeah, she's gone to a bad area, so we'll try and get her back if we can. So... Uh, of course, um, Carmel uh, from the Begg family, yep. and uh, so grew up with horses and, you know, a horsewoman herself. But I think what she acknowledges about Les Bridge, it is worth commenting on. This man, 82 years of age, part of the furniture at Ramick, been there, what, 60 years, something like mm. that. These are the sort of things we forget about racing sometimes. The, these were the trainers when I was growing up, when you were growing up, we looked at, and there he is still there. And that's a great thing about racing longevity, isn't it, David? Both trainers and jockeys can have these careers, particularly trainers go for more than 50 years. Now, you're a facts and figures man, a man <laughs> who knows all encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, give us a broad brush on Les Bridges' <laughs> champions of the past. Well, Sadap is the standout, the 83 Golden Slipper winner who trained on and went on one staying races. Hot Danish is his favourite, is an emotional horse for him. He's won a Caulfield Guineas and plenty of others. Um... This one's almost been elevated above all of them. Yeah, Carmel's back with us. Carmel, thanks for, for, for coming back to us. 
We were just talking about Les's uh, great history over more than 60 years and the races he's won, but he's never been... A, a, he's not a man who, uh, who uh, talks above himself. He's a modest man. He's a man of few words, but he's never, ever run away from the fact that he's considered this horse to be a champion uh, physically and, uh, and, uh, and mentally. And this campaign... We've really seen that, haven't we? He's taken a really good step forward this time with Classic Legend. Oh, yes, he has. He's been very bullish um, to the fact that it's been annoying me. <laughs> where, where, I need to get some sleep. Yeah, where did you watch the race yesterday? Les watched it by himself. Where were you? Well, I found myself by accident in the mosh pit. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't weigh very much. And I, I was in a crush... Um, after they went past the post, which I had to release myself from. Lucky I'm agile. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so I, I, I looked at the ground for a good section of the race. <laughs> I, I get very nervous. I'm more nervous for my horse, that my horse is going to come back safe and sound. Um, you know, so I was just, um, when he got a long way back, I was thinking, geez, have, is he ever going to catch them? You know, I thought he might be unlucky second or something like that, but uh, tremendous. Just absolutely so special. I read a story, Carmen, you were quite partial to, to grey horses, and this was a horse you were, as you said, you were obsessed with at the sales. Is that harp back to your, your dad's great champion, Emancipation? Well, it started um, well before that. I remember that uh, when I was about five years old, my parents um, all used to take us to the races, and I remember, I remember vividly standing at the fence at Randwick crying when um, Gunsing got beaten. And my mm. father didn't even train Gunsing, so it probably started then. And then um, my dad had a good filly, great filly called um, Sufficient and enlarged as well. And it was just, I don't know, it was just something that I, I, was, I was fascinated with the way they could change colour and things like that. So, yes, I, I am drawn. But can I just say this? Classic Legends actually the first grey horse I've ever purchased. <laughs> Well, that's a good good start. I marvel at the differences between 12 months. 12 months ago, you would have walked away from Randrick wondering what might have been. He never never got a crack at them at all last year, so it must have been quite you know, heartbreaking to see what happened last year. And then, fortunately, 12 months later, you get to atone. Well, that's correct. But, you know, it was character building in 2019, and it was, you know, a split-second decision. There's no-one to blame that's racing. I've been around racing long enough to know that things go wrong. You know, you go back to even the Premier Stakes. How many times have you seen a favourite come undone in a, in a small field? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I just love having that experience. So I feel like I build myself up. I don't get too disappointed. Um, you just move on and thank God for the 2019 Everest because when when we came um, round to this preparation with the horse, a bigger, stronger, um, more mature horse, it was 2019 with the dress rehearsal, so we knew exactly what we had to do. We knew what to expect. We knew the pressure that would be put on us. Um, you know, it's we have a small stable of 18 horses, so it's you know it's pretty pretty damn fabulous that you know we're we're only a very small operation that we could produce a horse of this caliber to do what he did, and um, you know the horse has been with us since the 21st of March. Um, since we, we, as soon as I could get him out of quarantine, I got special permission. I sent a semi-trailer to pick him up on a Sunday um, because I was frightened we were going into lockdown here. I was frightened that they'd stop the horse movements. And we brought him in. And, and you know, that's a, a pretty unorthodox 
preparation for a horse to be in work. He's never been away from the stable in that period. You know, we had to keep him happy, had to keep him ticking over. And um, I think that, um, you know, real feather in the cap for everybody involved in, in the horse's preparation. Because he never went sour, you know. A lot of horses can get sick of the routine. We just kept doing little different things with him. And he just kept ticking all the boxes. Carmel, I, I keep saying this. Uh, people look at form guides and, and that's all they look at. They look at a form guide or a video. But, hell, you're a horse for when you've been around a long time. Les Bridge has been around a longer time. But it all comes back. These horses are individuals. They've got their traits. They've got their strengths and weaknesses. They improve. They go backwards. But it's so much part of their, their development. The, the horse itself, the animal, and unfortunately, you know, and I don't know how we get around this, but whether it's punters or just even racing enthusiasts, don't seem to often understand that, that uh, it's an animal, not a machine. Well, that's it. They're athletes. Let's face it. They've got to eat. They've got to drink. Everything's got to be perfect. You know, what would help the punter is the horse could talk. Um, you know, <laughs> they can't talk. They can't tell me that maybe I've got a headache today. Um, you know, we shouldn't go racing. You know, like jockeys make errors, trainers make errors. But, you know, we never, no one ever makes an error purposely. Well, 99.9% of us never make an error on purpose, you know. Um, it's, you know, my, my former husband, John Size, you know, when before I got together with him, I used to be a bit of a punter. And then when he bought a stable and I started to work for him in Sydney, um, he said to me, he, he worked me to the bone, he did. And he said, now I've got to listen to you. You know what goes on. You know how much work we put in here. Don't ever back anyone else's horse. If you want to have a bet, you back your own. Sound advice. Did you celebrate last night? Are you the, are you the celebrating type, Carmel? No, I, I didn't because I, I had very early starts to my day. I, I start work at 10 past 2 every morning. Okay. And um, last night I, just, I went and saw the horse and he's a little bit agitated. So I sort of like left him alone for an hour. I just went, my, my, my parents... Um, uh, uh, quite elderly, my father's 90, Neville Begg, mm. and um, I wanted to go and see my mum and dad because it meant the world to me to be able to um, achieve that, you know, to, to have a dream and say, Dad, I'm going to win the Everest one day and to do that. And then I went back and, and I looked after the horse for an hour and a half, and then I went to bed at about 9.30 and started the morning shift. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, you were born into racing, and, and yesterday I'm sure will be one of your finest moments, along with Les. It's, 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 a, it's a great story. We can't, we can't uh, extol it enough. But, look, thanks for your time this morning. I know it's a busy morning. and Try and have a bit of a celebration today. Enjoy your day. And, uh, again, okay. Thanks for joining us okay. this morning. Okay, no problems at all. Thank you. Carmel Sires joining us this morning, uh, who has a great association with Les Bridge, and it is a wonderful story, isn't it? It is, and um, we're talking about Les Bridge. This steadfast belief he had that uh, this horse would be winning this race for so long and his, uh, his disbelief at um, uh, pundits just uh, not being along for that ride, and he, he reiterated, reiterated it again yesterday. I'll just lift a few uh, quotes from Ray Thomas's story this morning that um, refers to what you're talking about. He said, quote, I've kept telling you he's a champion. I've always said it. I've never had any doubt. You must, have, you must have asked me a thousand times if I said we'd win. I've been telling you for three months, how much start do you want? <laughs> I don't know if that was Ray or he was just saying to the, the press in general. And then he but, walked off, wasn't it? That's the last line. That was it. But, um, yeah, he's, he's had a wonderful career. I know this morning on, on 
uh, Thoroughbred Central, they were talking about Les Bridge being in the in the uh, Hall of Australian mm. Hall of Fame. It makes sense. I, I, I know, you know, some will say, "Oh, that's a knee-jerk reaction because because of the horse won yesterday." But look at his overall record and his longevity as well, which I think is important to point out. That's true. One thing we haven't touched on this morning is the jockey. He's won three of the first oh. four Everest. Karen McAvoy. That is some sort of a feat. Um, you know, this this sought-after race, this richest race in the country, and um, th- to win three out of four, and he delivered a faultless display yesterday. He certainly did. Beaten division. Let's let, let's look at them briefly. Bivouac, Guitra, both running on strongly, and uh, both, um, both ran Yeah, well. Bivouac, the barrier probably didn't help him, so... Um, but the fact is, classic legend, um, yeah, it's been at them all, so... Hard run race, David. No excuses for the others. Yeah, and just one quick one, Nature Strip. I know it's a, a throwaway line, but I think in this case, quite an appropriate one. He just hasn't come up this time. He probably hasn't had that little bit of mucus last night. I thought he went pretty good yesterday, given the given the, the almost suicidal tempo. He um, he was still there for a fair way in the straight. Oh, yeah, fair to say probably Eduardo went a little too fast in front. That was the Everest. The other big feature of the day was the Kosciuszko, and we had a short prize favourite here. It's me, $2.00. And the front runner is man apiece by three quarters to do two big fari. Fender in third. Handle the truth without cover. On the outside of Almahaha pushed along. Redouble back on the fence. Further back to Lord Von Costa. It's me. Needing a bit of room now as they turn intuition and prairie fire holding their ground. Man apiece has got a good skip here at the 300 metres. Man apiece two lengths clear. Redouble's going up the inside. Two big fari sticks on. Handle the truth trying it. It's me. He's getting to the outside. She's three off them. Man a piece in front. It's me wide out. Redouble the fence. Redouble bursting through. It's me on the outside. Got up to win it. A heart-stopping victory. It's me edged out. Redouble in the Kosciuszko. Not sure about third. Too big fiery and handle the truth. Man a piece close up. Then came Al Mahaha. Followed then by Anathol. Further back to Lord Von Costa. Ari Song's intuition from Ligulet. Prairie Fire and Fender was one of the last to finish. It always seems appropriate when the best horse wins the race, and that was clearly the case of the Kosciuszko, but it didn't go without a few uh, a few hiccups in the run, so to speak, particularly in the straight where there, where there were some traffic issues. But in the end, it all ended right, and it's me finishing brilliantly. Jason Collett riding. Brett Kavanagh is the trainer of It's Me, and he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Post Kosciuszko, Brett. Good morning and congratulations. Thank you very much. Did you celebrate last night? Sure did. <laughs> now, we were just talking to Carmel Size, and it was a fairly painless watch with Classic Legend, but it's me wasn't the case. Just take us through your thoughts in the run. Sure. Look, he. Uh, I think he uh, he just went in there. Jason's a cool rider. He's a percentage rider and. He was looking for the short course, and I had dinner with him last night. And um, he just—he was just hoping that it'd open up in front of him or to the inside, and, and he wanted to blouse him, but uh, didn't open up for him. And then when he wanted to come out, um, Clipperton was laying all over him, so he just give him a well, one-two and get out of the road, and away she went. That was the race, Brett. But you had concerns leading up to it through the week as well. How, how close did you think that you weren't going to be there yesterday? Oh, Nathan, I, I probably would have scratched her because I know how good she is and how valuable she is. But, um, you know, we had, we had a great uh, blood profile 
and um, and we had this bit of a cough lingering and a bit of mucus, and we couldn't put our finger on where it was coming from or what was going on. And the best thing to do in them situations is is reach for the best mechanic you can find. And Johnny Walker, you know, he goes back to Miss Andretti, and he's a great vet. And just rang him up. I said, mate, I need a hand here. So he come in and gave, gave our local vet some confidence and said, look, you know, it's fifty fifty. He said, I'd run and there's no infection in the blood. There's a little bit of mucus there, sure, you know. She might be just clearing a throat out or whatever, but uh, Johnny made the final call. Brent, one of the greatest compliments that's given to this mayor, and it's, it's uh, happened again yesterday, where she runs times, uh, if not comparable, but better than older, more experienced rivals. And there's a, a great reference there yesterday. She ran 196 of the Kosciuszko. The following race, the Sydney Stakes, and these are horses that, you know, missed the Everest Cup, but they're good horses themselves. Ran one nine point seven nine. I think it's a, it's a great reference to her that she can run these good times, whether it be overall or or sectionally. She keeps repeating it, you know. Like her first highway win in town, um, she went better than the I think it was a Group Two mares race, um, and then she backed it up the next week. She ran faster time than Cossack Legend, who come out and won yesterday. So I always had that bit of confidence about her turn forward, and I seen a bit of track work. Um, last Saturday morning, which was, yeah, it was just phenomenal. I actually rang a couple of trainers uh, who I believe in a bit, Vic Price and Moody, and, and, and I even had a text message to Wally. You know, I was, I've never seen track work like it, and they said, just uh, hang on, enjoy the ride, you know. So not sure where she'll go or what she'll do. So that was yesterday, her first time beyond 1,100 metres yesterday. Is there thoughts in your mind now you, you progress further, maybe a, a couple of weeks' time or three weeks' time? Or fortnight, sorry. Nathan, a lot of geniuses out there. Some say, oh, keep it a five, keep it a six. And, <laughs> you know, the guy that bred her mother, he said, look, she'll run a mile. And I think uh, what I've seen of her on E-Tracker and her motor, I think she'd run a mile easily. You know, she's so relaxed. You know, how devastating would she be in a mile? You know, if she can produce that turn of foot 600 from home, it'd be just unbelievable. But she's, she's just got a great nature. Uh, very relaxed mare, so who knows? I've got a couple of good uh, seven furlong races in Clinton. <laughs> yeah, we do, but there's a seven and a half furlong race in a fortnight in Sydney. Is she any hope of going to that race, the Golden Eagle? Oh, she's definitely a hope. Don't, you know, don't, I'm not kidding myself there. She's nominated and paid up first acceptances, but um, we'll we'll uh, just give her an easy day today, and the vets will go to work tomorrow just to try and get to the bottom of this little cough and see if we can treat it. And, uh, you know, she'll have an easy week if we can put it back together, I'll talk to um, the managers of the syndication group and, and go from there. But, yeah, look, for sure, it's, there's four million reasons, Nathan. <laughs> and, Brett, just in closing, the, the, the day is around the Everest. We understand that. But from a country trader's point of view, in fact, from a, a country participant's point of view, the Kosciuszko is your Everest. I think it's worth repeating, and you're the winning trader, that this has been a great initiative for country racing and uh, I think that the, the whole process, the, the concept is working well and doesn't seem any reason to, to, uh, to tinker with it. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a great success story and it's, it's a very early life. Yeah, well, you know, we had two runners in the race yesterday and walked away with 700000 in prize money, you know, so um, he's done a wonderful job, Peter. You know, in saying that, it, it probably props up our metropolitan racing um, in Sydney, you know, years gone by, you see small fields, but these highways, I remember Collett rode one for me there a while back and we're at Rose Hill and he said the only time he's seen a full field's in the Golden Slipper in a highway, you know, 20-odd runners. So 
Yeah, look, they're well supported. Um, we love the money. Everyone loves the money. The country people, you know, but some horses can't win a highway, but the owners want to come to Sydney for the weekend, you know, and the girls get dressed up and the boys have fun. And, yeah, it's a great concept. It has become super competitive, though, hasn't it, Brett, in terms of a lot of people now are buying proven city horses, giving them to country trainers to be aimed at races like this. For instance, the horse you, you beat yesterday, Redouble, will will and truly prove it in that. So, so it's... It's more than just country horses now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not too sure if they'll change the cause of that nation. Yeah. There was a there was a lot of angst amongst trainers about what actually happened with Redouble, how he how he got into the race, and and you know there was I said, look, look just we didn't whinge about it. We had a couple in there. We we're lucky enough to beat him, but I do get it. Another country horse could have been there. He didn't need to be in there, but you know then those are the rules. So. Uh, you play by the rules. And one last one for you. you. Your cousin up here is making a bit of a name for himself at the moment. Craig, he's, um, he's got an outstanding haircut at the moment. You've been in touch with him the last few weeks? He's nearly as mad as his boss, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, they make a good know, pair. They're, well, they're both bullfitted front rowers. Have a look at them, you know. <laughs> but, but no, we had a good weekend. Now, Craig's sister, she got a winner in Toowoomba, so it was a... There was winners all around yesterday for the Cavaliers, so we're all pretty happy. No, good on you, mate. That's a terrific result yesterday, and good luck with the going forward. Sounds like we might see you here in Queensland sometime through the carnival next year as well. You can break that wall down, we'll come up there. <laughs> That's yeah, not up to we're us. trying to. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks for this morning. See you, mate. Fred Kavanagh joining us, and uh, it's me $26 into 15 for the Golden Eagle. Will she run? What do you reckon? I guess it sounds like it depends on what happens the next in terms of her recovery and that. But as he said, there's there's four million reasons there to have, yeah. have a throw at it. And it's that old story. And I mean, you know, when she gets over her little um, her little cold, um, if you've got a happy and healthy informed horse, a bit of a distance jump though, isn't it? Twelve hundred. It certainly is. It's you wouldn't say it's an ideal prep for it, but um, he's got advice there that she'll possibly run a mile. And if you're a fit horse be hard to turn your nose up at it, David. I think you and I'd struggle to say, walk away from it. Oh, I'll be in now. <laughs> That's right. I'll be bashing the door yes. down. In. Trumbull, they won the Sydney Stakes, a $14 chance, race well fresh. And old fun, oh. not old fun fact, but fun fact, won the St. Ledger. The Brisbane staying for must Well, I was going to have a go at you, actually, because each week you... you pontificate about how difficult the Brisbane staying race is and uh, yesterday you decided to make a special out of the race. Well, I did the same thing a week before, fun fact, and couldn't run a place, and uh, there he is winning a half-million-dollar race in Sydney yesterday. I had a, I had a, a bet yesterday. So that won't surprise any listener, but I had a bet <laughs> with a place all up, and uh, I said, I'll go the safe way here. I'll go mass destruction. The place? The place in the, when it was around $2, $2 but it was about $1.24 the mm. place. Of course, it blew like a northerly gale and yes. paid probably $1.60, $1.70 on every tote. Then... I said, I'll be very safe here. Fast dead cyclone, the place. Ooh. And I'd already backed at the win. So when they, when they were passing me, I said, why me? I can see this million to one chance Morendi is going to knock me out. And I thought it had. Mm-hmm. And I said, Morendi third from a fast dead cyclone. You can't believe the shock when the one went up third. I said, now, I shouldn't have got that. I thought it Top prospect to place, but ran the place. So in the end, it was a good result. Oh, okay. So you've managed to somehow create a win out of an embarrassing situation. <laughs> exactly right. Thanks for that.
Well, let's take a break here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. We've got a lot to cover because we're going to go into Caulfield Cup territory after the break. Past the Post on Radio Tab. We saw Classic Legend win the Tab Everest. An hour later, they broke from the barriers in the Caulfield Cup. All 18 of them. Very elegant was the $5 favourite. Master of Wine joined by Buckhurst. Finch deeper with Chapada. True Self cuts the corner. The Chosen One presents as a chance. Very elegant down the outside. It's True Self, Master of Wine at the 300 with the Chosen One. And here's Very Elegant and Anthony Van Dyke below the 200. The Chosen One grabbed by Very Elegant and Anthony Van Dyke. Very Elegant and Anthony Van Dyke. It's all class. Very Elegant and Nick in front. And the Mayor won it. Very Elegant beat Anthony Van Dyke. The Chosen One. Fourth Prince of Aaron, then came Finch and Avilius behind them Buckhurst, Master of Wine, further back in the field warning, and then came Vow and Declare Mustajia, Chapada, Toffee Tongue, Dallas, Anagap, Raheen House, Mirage Dancer, and Dashing Willoughby will be last to complete in the 144th running of the Stellar Artois Caulfield Cup. You've never been confident in running in any race, let alone a middle distance race, but uh, Zara positioned this mare beautifully, one off, then got into the three-wide trade and then just kept navigating a path to make sure she was there to, to strike at the right time and she did the rest. And she did, but there would have been a few nervous moments for her backers because Anthony Van Dyke did loom ominously and you know it was great to see probably the, the two best horses in the race fight the race out. Of course, um, the Caulfield Cup for so long when we were growing up was the, the, the roll gold form reference mm. for the Melbourne Cup. Times have changed, things have changed and it maybe doesn't have as much impact as it once did but this will be a case this year because very elegant is heading towards the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, possibly and only one one time in the last 12 years has the Melbourne Cup winner come through the Caulfield Cup. That was last year, Varon Declare. But a man who will have some say in that situation is joining us on the phone now, Racing Victoria's handicapper, Greg Carpenter. Thanks for joining us this morning, Greg. Pleasure, Nathan. Good morning, David. It was a great contest at Caulfield yesterday. Um, and as you both said, two fantastic horses in Very Elegant and Anthony Van Dyke coming away to fight the finish out in what was a, one of, a really strong renewal of the Caulfield Cup. Anthony Van Dyke would have been an interesting one for you to wait up. We've, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever seen a, an English Derby winner come come here. So, uh, talk us through his um, impost yesterday. You're right, you're right, Nathan. It was a very interesting horse to to have to handicap. He's, he's certainly world class. He won the Epsom Derby last year, finishing very strongly along the, the rails, and had run second. Only ran three times. This year, ran second to Guys in the Coronation Cup. Um, he's the highest-rated horse in the world right at the moment, Guys. And then at his last start, had won the Blue Two um, Prix de Foix in France, which is the major lead-up to the Arc, um, beating Stradivarius. So, came here with an international rating of 121. Um, when you think about the, the top-class European stars that have come out for Melbourne Cups before, like Yates and Septimus. In the last 15 years, he certainly was rated as highly as they were. 58 and a half uh, was a was a, a solid weight given the difficulty that uh, highly weighted horses have had winning the Caulfield and Melbourne Cups in recent times. But probably when he drew barrier 17 um, in the draw, it made his task even that more difficult. I thought Hugh gave him a great ride yesterday. Went back, was patient, came very wide uh, on the home corner, and looked 
flakingly as if he would have run past very elegant, but she certainly responded um, to Mark Zara's riding in the last 50 metres and left and, and held him off. But I think the, the O'Brien team would be very encouraged um, with yesterday's performance. Disappointed not to win, but very encouraged going to Flemington um, in 17 days' time. Greg, you're someone who's, who's um, very mindful of history and historical precedence. You'll announce a penalty tomorrow, if any, for Very Elegant. But recent history shows we look at Best Solution, who carried 57.5 to win a Caulfield Cup. You didn't penalise him in a Melbourne Cup. A couple of years before that, Admire Racti got a half kilo up to 58.5. Very Elegant's already at a point uh, historically where I think Maccabi Diva is the only mare to carry more than 55 kilos to win a Melbourne Cup. So it, she does face a, a fair amount of history already, doesn't she? Well, she does. It was interesting in that just listening to you two speak uh, on the way in, um, you're right, the link between the Caulfield and Melbourne Cups is probably not as strong as it has been if you look at the results. Um, viewed when he won the Brisbane Cup winner, when he won the Melbourne Cup, he had run in... Um, a Caulfield Cup back in 2009 and until last year Val and Declare um, running second in the Caulfield Cup and then winning the Melbourne Cup all the Melbourne Cup, Melbourne Cup winners in between had not run at Caulfield and if you look since Ophelia became the last horse to win both races in 2001 there's been 13 Caulfield Cup winners that have contested the Melbourne Cup um, and not one of them has been placed in fact Delstrom is the only horse or oh, the Caulfield Cup winner in that time that's actually finished top five when he ran fourth. Um, so it's it's <clears throat> going to be a very interesting thought process with the team and myself over the next 24 hours before we determine whether Very Elegant does deserve a penalty and if she does get a penalty, what sort of quantum that will be. At 3,200 metres, every half kilo is worth a length in distance. Uh, the margin yesterday was a short net. And for me, interestingly enough, if you look through the top six finishers, probably the, the, the horses in the race that were raced a little bit without luck or were the biggest runs in the race were Prince of Aaron, who was fourth, back all the way, came very wide on the corner, was running home very strongly. Finch posted three wide and, as we know, always very competitive for, and ran fifth. Uh, and Avilius, um, you know, I think he was probably third or fourth had he got a clear passage in the straight. So of the horses that finished were in the finish uh, behind Very Elegant and Anthony Van Dyke, Prince of Aaron, um, Finch and, and Avilius probably could have finished a little bit closer. And the other issue, of course, is that in 17 days' time, new race course, 3,200 metres, so it's an extra 800 metres, and uh, she has to take on all the horses that didn't run at Caulfield yesterday. And when you look at the markets for the Melbourne Cup, the top three in the betting are Tiger Moss, uh, second in the Irish Derby and then won a group three race after that. Uh, didn't run yesterday. Russian Camelot going into the Cox Plate. Uh, didn't run yesterday. Um, and Surprise Baby, um, who was a brilliant fifth in the race last year and didn't go to Caulfield yesterday. So all of these things are what the handicapper has to um, think about. I might ring up Lester Grimmett now that he's got time on his hands, boys, and see if Lester could help me work out a, a penalty for the mayor if he does get one. But uh, we'll announce that tomorrow afternoon. I'm sure he'd have an opinion. I'll ask you about a couple of those horses you just mentioned in a short while, but 
It is a spring carnival like no other in terms of the crowds not being there, but the internationals are still here in, in force, Greg, and we, we saw that yesterday with Anthony Van Dyke running so well. It seems they're going to play a significant part in Saturday's Cox Plate. We've got horses like Armoury, Sir Dragonette and Aspatar prominent in betting. Can you just give us an insight into the, to that trio of horses? Well, let's talk about Armoury first. Obviously, Aidan O'Brien has attacked the Cox Plate very successfully uh, in the last seven or eight years. He's won up with Adelaide, um, who was a Northern Hemisphere three-year-old. Highland Real um, came as a, a three-year-old and was placed. And last year, Magic Wand um, ran fourth in the race. Um, he's well-travelled mare. So this year, he selected Armoury, who ran third in the Irish Champion Stakes behind Magical and Gaius. Um, in that race and came out of it rated 120. Now, that was a peak performance. He had been very good um, in his two- and three-year-old season leading to that race, but hadn't run to that sort of number. Now, that is significantly uh, higher rating than Adelaide had, uh, Highland Real had, um, when they came out and ran very well for Aiden as Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds in the Cox Plate. So if he can replicate that Irish champion stakes run at Leopardstown, um, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. The Just how does that 120 have... rating compare to Russian Camelot and Arcadia Queen's international ratings? Well, interestingly enough, Russian Camelot um, was more highly rated for winning the South Australian Derby than the Irish Derby winner Santiago and Tiger Moth were. He was rated 117 from that. And then when he won the Underwood Stakes beat in Humidor by just over two lengths, um, you know, we moved him to 118. So that would mean... If both of them ran to those two numbers and both of them are on upward projections, we know that Russian Camelot came out and got beat, beaten by Arcadia Queen in the Caulfield Stakes, but he finished the same margin in front of Humidor as he did in the Underwood, so I think he ran well enough. It was the mayor from Perth who actually improved back to her peak form. But going back to Armory at 120, Russian Camelot 118, that's a length over the 2,040 metres of the Cox Plate. So right at the moment, just on numbers, achieved in different races in different hemispheres, uh, Nathan <laughs> and David, so they're theoretical numbers. Armoury would be a length in front of Russian Camelot. Okay. Arcadia Queen, when she won the Kingston Town Classic as a three-year-old filly, was rated 116 for that and made the world's best racehorses in the world. Last year when she won first up in, in Sydney on the way to... Um, an Everest and a Golden Eagle. She ran to 115. And he beat him, Russian Camelot, last week in the Caulfield Stakes. She beat him by a length and had two kilos less. So she came out two, two points lower than him at 116. Now, 116 is a mare. She'll carry two kilos effectively. So that's the equal of 120. Yeah. So again, on numbers, she comes um, up alongside of, of um, Armoury. Very quickly on the others, uh, Aspatar, Group 1 winner over 2,500 metres in Germany late last year. He won the, the uh, Group 2 race at his last start. He's rated 118, so the same as Russian Camelot, uh, left behind Arcadia Coyne and Armoury. And Sir Dragonet is a bit of a non-winner, you have to uh, acknowledge that, but his peak performance this year is 117 in Ireland, again behind Magical, so all the form comes around that. Interestingly enough, he's run against Buckhurst a couple of times this year and been beaten both times, but he's 117, so he's slightly behind those. And Magic Wand, we saw her run fourth last year and then win a McKinnon Stakes. Um, she's done what she always does. She, she runs around the world in 2020. Um, may not 
quite on face value be going as well as last year, but um, she's got the, the, the ability to run very competitively in the cross play. It's going to be really intriguing race. Uh, obviously, we take the final decks on Tuesday and we'll announce the field uh, and do the barrier draw uh, Tuesday morning. Well, fast forward now to the Melbourne Cup. Northern Hemisphere-bred three-year-olds have got a great record. We saw Rekindling win, cross-counter win, and then last year, Il Paradiso was probably stiff not to win. This year, you've got Tiger Moth there. Now, he got two-and-a-half kilo penalty for his latest win, so he's up to 52-and-a-half after just four starts, and, and Russian Camelot in 53-and-a-half. So that's that's significantly more weight than both Rekindling and cross-counter carried to win the Cup, and more in line with Il Paradiso, who had the 52-and-a-half last year, Greg. It is. We're always learning and evolving as as handicappers with the Melbourne Cup. It's uh, it's something that you learn with experience. And we had a case where, as you said, Rekinling came out as a Northern Hemisphere three-year-old and, and won the race, then cross-counter backed up the following year. So we did a very long research project. Um, the Australian weight for age scale was actually giving the Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds a, a bigger advantage than what they would have been getting if they'd been running against each other on home territory. So we changed the weight for age scale uh, and moved them up a kilo. And I also made the comment that I would look at their form in a different way um, and and that might also influence the fact that they could get more weight than they had been in the past. And we saw that with Il Paradiso last year and really uh, incredible run in that race. Came through, um, suffered interference in a, in a very tight finish. It's difficult to say he would have won, but he would have gone very close. So there's still more that we need to learn. Santiago, who won the Irish Derby, and Tiger Moss have come out together. Santiago, they pulled up stumps yesterday. Nothing serious, but they don't think he's going that well, not well enough to run in the Melbourne Cup. So they've, they've stopped his campaign. So that leaves you with Tiger Moss. And quite frankly, uh, you, you, you need to, uh, to be honest and transparent. When you're trying to handicap a horse in the Melbourne Cup that's run just three times, <laughs> finished third in a maiden, a two-year-old maiden last year over seven furlongs and been beaten a length, comes out and wins a, a 2,000-metre maiden as a three-year-old, and then runs second in the Irish Derby. Uh, you're scratching your head as to what weight you're going to give that horse, because you just don't know enough about him. Mm. The more times you see a horse, the more you learn. The more times you see a horse run to a certain level, more confidence you have in assigning a weight to that horse. So he would have to, I mean, the 16 years that I've been doing the Melbourne Cup weights would have to be probably the most difficult horse to assess simply because there was so little evidence. We gave him 50 kilos, which means he wouldn't have got a run in the race. Um, He had to come out and replicate what he did in the Irish Derby. And he did that. He won uh, won a race uh, at Leopardstown very easily. Buckhurst was in that race and Buckhurst just sat back the whole race and finished off at the end of it. But certainly Tiger Moth was dominant. So he got a two and a half kilo penalty and now has 52 and a half and he's been installed at the top of the weight. So, you know, it's really interesting, David and Nathan, that the dynamics of this year is a carnival which we won't have seen the likes before. A Northern Hemisphere three-year-old coming out here had there been 100,000 people on course Melbourne Cup Day, very inexperienced, maybe not seasoned enough, he could have gone to pieces. But mm. you would think that his task might be just a little bit easier if it's going to be um, just industry participants on course or at best a very small crowd. It's not going to have the height. We saw Gay Waterhouse bring a French three-year-old a few years ago called Trey Bleu 
Mm, that's that right. Change for him, but he just melted. Yep. Absolutely melted in the parade ring and didn't run a race. So it's really interesting. And obviously, um, with Tiger Moss, the Northern Hemisphere three-year-old trained in Europe, and we've got Russian Camelot, who I still think, even though he was beaten last out as a future star, he just reminds me so much of So you think yep. um, that if he can... If he wins the Cox Plate on Saturday and goes into the Melbourne Cup with 53.5, then he's going to be very, very well-weighted. Um, but obviously, he's got a big challenge this Saturday, and that will determine whether or not he even runs in the Melbourne Cup um, post that race. I'm, I'm hoping he'll run really well on Saturday at the Valley uh, and then take the challenge up at Flemington on the first Tuesday. Hey, Greg, just one thing before we go. Uh, and on another level... It's so pleasing to see a horse like Prince of Aaron back again. We, we've seen him run in two Melbourne Cups and two great uh, great runs. He's paid his way, winning, I think he went to Hotham one year at a, a Geelong Cup. Back again and showing no signs of uh, of uh, leg weariness or getting old because he ran, he ran a terrific race in the Caulfield Cup and he'll be there again in two weeks' time. It is fantastic, David, because when we talk about the Europeans and how important they are to, to our feature races, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of pundits don't like the fact that the Europeans get off the plane and run once. But when you see a horse like Red Cadeau, who ran in five Melbourne Cups, Americaine, who ran in three, and now Prince of Aaron, who's on his third trip uh, to Australia, it, they actually become very, very popular with Australian fans. And this horse certainly has earned the respect of Australian fans. I was going to actually last night count up how much prize money he'd won in Australia compared to how much <laughs> he has won overseas. And I know the answer is almost significantly over 75% I think of being out in Australia. He's had seven runs here and hasn't finished further back than fourth. As you said, placed in two Melbourne Cups. He's won a Geelong Cup, second in a Herbert Power, um, and now fourth in a Caulfield Cup, um, winner of the Hoffman and third in another Herbert Power. So his form is fantastic. Charlie Fellows unfortunately couldn't travel out with a horse this year. Uh, his run was enormous yesterday. He went back, uh, Jamie took the horse back. He sat at the tail with um, Anthony Van Dyke. Anthony Van Dyke got going first. Um, and Prince Varen probably made his run a little bit after that, came very wide on the course, but he was hitting the line really, really well, um, as he did in last year's Melbourne Cup. So it's always a difficult one when coming back for the third time and they haven't won the first two trips. Are they going better than they were um, previously? I must admit, and I said this uh, yesterday uh, in an interview, he's a horse that I've uh, under, undervalued because the last two years he's had to come out and win his way mm. into the race. He had to win the Hotham to get into it. Uh, he had to win the Geelong Cup last year to get into it. So this year I've given him 54.5, so he's in the race. He doesn't have to chase. Um, but whether or not third time out, um, a little bit more weight than he's had the previous two years. Whether he can actually win, not sure, but I'm certain he's going to be running brilliantly again and, and looks like a top five chance. And Greg, as you know, he must be so popular, Prince of Aaron. There's a Prince of Aaron that races in <laughs> Queensland as well. <laughs> well, it was funny. We had, we had to call him a Prince of Aaron to, to dodge the horse up in Queensland, but fortunately now with visitors to Australia that are going to turn around and go back on the plane. Uh, we allow them to run under the same name, so that's been great. He, he, he's a very, he's a very proud Prince of Aaron. <laughs> Greg, uh, there's been a wonderful conversation this morning. A lot of knowledge imparted there. So thanks for your time, and we'll talk again soon. 
look forward to it. If we can have a chat before the big day, that'd be great. Thanks, David. Thanks, Nathan. Enjoy Thanks, your day. Thanks, Greg. That'd be great. Greg Carpenter joining us there this morning. Yeah, very insightful conversation. Just fascinating, and uh, especially an insight for those international horses that we don't know a lot about. Could you back a horse in the Melbourne Cup had, that's had just four starts? No. Mm. It's a bas- what a fascinating runner. He certainly <clears throat> is. Very elegant. 17 to 11 for Tab Fixed after winning the Caulfield Cup. And, of course, those who ran well, they trimmed up Anthony Van Dyke. 17 to 13. Prince of Arrow, we're just talking about him. 21 to 17. Uh, the chosen one, fifty-one to twenty-six, and then a few drifted out. Any more, th- any more conversation on the Caulfield Cup from your point? No, of view? I thought Finch was super brave. That's typical of Finch. He's just he's, he's thereabouts without winning these big big races. But he was entitled to toss the tail in yesterday. He's a, he's a grinder. If he ever finds the, the rail one day, you won't yeah. know where he is. I mean, <laughs> honestly, you've never seen a horse who has to travel wide at his races so often in big races and, and still run well. That was the the Caulfield Cup. Let's have a listen to another race. We'll listen to, in fact, Chris Waller celebrating after Very Elegant. Well, he didn't uh, leave the day, I noticed, either, with Madame Rouge winning the last. Here's the replay. Felicia and the closer. It has been steady at past the 650. Then came She Shall Fly and Perfect Jewel. A length and a half into the abyss, Madame Rouge. Second last, Pretty Brazen. Rich Hips last. They approach the turn. It has been a bit of a saunter for a 1400 metre contest. Felicia and the closer about to step it up at the 400. She Shall Fly to the middle of the track. Perfect Jewel. There's a run for her up on the inside if good enough. And then Madame Rouge into the abyss and Pretty Brazen. It's Felicia at the 200 metres sprints up from the closer. Madame Rouge back to the far side and she shall fly. It's Felicia hands and heels at the 100. Madame Rouge coming at her and now she shall fly late. It's going to be close. Madame Rouge took the front and Madame Rouge won the last from she shall fly Felicia. Then the closer four. Behind those pretty brazen perfect jewel rich hips and in a bunch finish across the line into the abyss was probably the last to complete. Ben Mellon riding Madame Rouge for Chris Waller and me. We've got a good handle on here in Queensland. We've seen her on a number of occasions, and uh, she's always competitive. Funny one, that one. She was heavily backed at Flemington. Market didn't want to bar over yesterday, presumably because yeah. of the way the, the wet track, and um, sure enough, gets out to about the $10 mark and uh, and wins. So it was a day the Stradbroke form hadn't worked out much, but um, yesterday at Caulfield it was to the fore, as you're going to touch on uh, with her next replay. Yes, a horse, I suppose, and uh, much maligned, but uh, now in a new stable and sprout of wings. His name is Graf. He ran in the Caulfield sprint. Alpha Oro burns them off at the 700 metres. Three quarters Jungle Legend Fabagino right up there. Two lengths to Garner, Vain Stream and Crystal Dreamer in the next line. Two lengths away to Graf and Shimino last at the 500 metres. It is Alpha Oro just in front, pressured by Jungle Legend Fabagino. Garner is poised behind those, just needs a little bit of room from Vain Stream, Crystal Dreamer, Graf and Shimino. Alpha Oro into the straight at the 300 metres, held together. Malum hasn't moved. Now he flicks the whip, led two lengths. Jungle Edge, Fabagino, Crystal Dreamer, Garner, Alpha Oro, 150 metres to go, perhaps vulnerable. Fabagino coming out after him and Graf from a long way back. Alpha Oro, Fabagino grabbed by Graf. Graf over the top has won it by a length. Fabagino, Crystal Dreamer, Alpha Oro. Then Shimino, Garner, Jungle Edge, and Vane Stream was last of the eight. Danny O'Brien trains Graf now. Damien Oliver had the right. A change of scenery must have done the trick. Miracle worker, Denny O'Brien. He hadn't won since August of 2018, and he was going so well that spring he was, as a three-year-old. He was good enough to get a start in the Everest, where he ran really well. He ran fifth behind uh, Red Zell that year. And he, To be fair, he's been consistent, mostly, w- without winning. 
Fair enough. Uh, Wild Planet, of course, won the Moonga. And uh, as far as the lead-ups to the Derby in the Oaks, uh, Chica Fuerte, the filly, won the Ethereal. And the Norman Robinson won by Alvarado. That was Caulfield. Let's turn our attention to Doombin now. We're going to listen to Race 8 for a particular reason. This is a no-metro win, and Royal Hale was the favourite, but an easing favourite. A leisurely 45-1-5, the first 7.50. Greg Kemmel running it to suit himself. Comes to the turn, leading Star Virgo, who's trying to get closer. Royal Hale swinging three wide of the bend. Colpo Tamburo in fourth. And then carry on Ringo and Jackpot J. It's a sprint home. Greg Kemmel leads the way. Star Virgo is trying to lay down the law. Royal Hale just behind them. Then Colpo de Tamburo. Greg Kemmel in front, 100 to go. Royal Hale's coming at him strongly now. Royal Hale coming home a little too well. Royal Royal Hale got up and beat Great Keppel. That's four for Gollum. Third over the line, Star Virgo. Fourth, possibly Colpo di Tamburo. Carry on Ringo, not far away. Then Jackpot J. Fabulon dashing special. And Tarbird whipped them in in 1.19.21. Yes, Royal Hale successful there. Running out the 13.50 strongly. Uh, and as I said, as I said, uh, four winners for Tony Gollum. But I did say on the public address, I apologised <laughs> after the race because I didn't acknowledge that whilst it was four for Tony Gollum, he's used to that. It was three winners for Georgina Cartwright. What a wonderful day for uh, the apprentice who has recently made Queensland her home. And Georgina's been kind enough to join us this morning. Georgina, congratulations. Must have been a great day for you. Yeah, it was definitely a career highlight. Um, obviously, I've only been here a short time, so it was great to um, have three winners. The good thing about your three winners, you won on Sugar Boom in the first, you won on Seeing is Believing in the sixth, and you won on Royal Hale in the eighth. You gave them all good rides, but uh, they were all horses that were able to put themselves into right positions, or you put them into right positions, and they were able to deliver. So there was never any bad luck involved, was there? Uh, they were really well placed by um, Tony. He does a great job with his horses and obviously um, I'm on loan to him for three months um, up here and um, as you said, they all sort of were in the first few so sort of took luck out of the equation and um, I was lucky enough that the horses were good enough for me. George, you rounded out the day, you, you hightailed it out of Doom and went to Toowoomba where you were successful on Forever Volo. But I imagine Royal Hale's a winner that's going to stick out for you. Not so much just just the treble, but for what happened on the home turn. Talk our listeners through through that. Yeah, well, I started to um, work into the races coming around the turn, and uh, all of us. I didn't see early see it coming, but all of a sudden a magpie <laughs> hit me in the side of the helmet and sort of the side of the face. And um, obviously, you're in a race, so you know the adrenaline's pumping and. Uh, at the time, I just thought, what just happened? And sort of had a little laugh to myself. But, you know, I had a job to do and had to make sure that, you know, I made sure I finished off my job. And I came back in and had a bit of a laugh about it. But as you said, I had to rush off to Toowoomba. So I didn't really get a good chance to let it um, sink in. But, um, yeah, it's been pretty um, viral on social media. <laughs> they're, they're long days. The magpie actually died. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a mark after it? Did it leave a mark? No, it didn't, thankfully. I, I would have, um, if, if I'd come back with a big gash on my side of my cheek, that would have been a story to tell. But unfortunately, it didn't have anything. But um, it's a good st- a story to tell and um, something to look back on. Georgina, you arrived from Victoria about a month ago. You hit the ground running. Uh, you went on run, run for glory for Tony at uh, the Gold Coast back in September. 
Um, what's your, your current plan? You just said you're on, on a three-month loan. What is your, your short-term and long-term idea about what you want to do? Uh, I come up here with just an open mind of um, if I really enjoyed it, I'd be more than happy to um, stay up here. Um, and then if, if I didn't, I'd be also more than happy to go back to Victoria. I did um, apply for a, a um, extension on my apprenticeship but um, got knocked back. So I come out of my um, apprenticeship time in December. So uh, then I'll become a senior, which makes it a little bit harder to get right. But I'm hoping that... Um, you know, I would have been here for a few months then and hopefully um, get a little bit of a roll on and start to, um, you know, broaden broaden my clientele and ride for um, a lot of new trainers up here. So um, I'm just sort of leaving my options open. I'll just um, reassess closer to um, the end of my three months. You've been riding here less than a month and you've already got eight winners on the board. So it's been a really positive start for you. Yeah, it has. Um, obviously, um, my boss, Tony Gollan, has really given me a great kickstart and I can't thank um, the other trainers up here in Queensland for um, giving me the opportunities that they have so far. Georgina, thanks for your time this morning and once again, great work yesterday. Travel at Doom and then just keeping on, keeping on, heading to Toowoomba and winning on a roughie too. $41, as Nathan said, for Volo. Continued good success. Thanks very much. Georgina Cartwright joining us this morning, and uh, yeah, good day for her. Sugar boom, a little easier in the market, but did what most expected it would do. Yeah, she ran up to the trial, wasn't? Didn't she, David? And um, essentially, she must have just wasn't quite right last preparation, wasn't it? Her blistering best, but yesterday, they uh, were forlorn hopes chasing her. Weirdest betting uh, race of the day, race two. <laughs> Who pay four forty to two sixty mass destruction two thirty out to three twenty. We're getting a few won. of these now in Brisbane, and I, I must say the good thing is some of these drifters are winning. Six months ago, if you saw a horse drift like mass destruction, or which of that that David Van Dyke won a couple of weeks back, which went from dollar seventy to five dollars. Golden mean. Um, they just wouldn't win, but so at least they're winning, and I think that's that's good. Um, that um, punters don't necessarily get it right all the time. Manicato Stakes night Friday night at the Valley. Cox played, of course, on the Saturday, the big doubleheader. That's ahead of us this yeah. weekend. You with the locals or the internationals in the Cox plate, David? I'm with nothing at the moment. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to your um, analysis later in I've the week. Ar- I've arrived a little unprepared this morning. All right. But, uh, you've, you've helped me magnificently. <laughs> no, it's been an enjoyable hour, and uh, you know, that was terrific racing yesterday, and so much more to look forward to the next three, four weeks. I'll work out a few questions for you for press room tomorrow. I look forward to that. It'd be nice if you gave me a heads up so that I uh, could prepare for them possibly. All right, I will. That's uh, that's it for um, for Queensland Horse of the Year on. tomorrow night too. It is. Yeah, we'll talk. Well, there's one thing we'll talk about. Very in the good. Put that down as number one, folks. Thanks for your company. Enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to being with you again next Sunday morning on Past the Post. And don't forget, I'll join you tomorrow morning.